today is Christ the King. If you haven't deducted that from the call it and the readings. So the question of the day is, is Christ your king? Does Christ rule as king over your thoughts? Is Jesus king in your mind? Does Christ rule as king over your desires, your dreams, your hopes? Is Jesus king in your heart? Does Christ rule as king over your choices? Is Jesus king over your will? Does Christ rule as king over your self-image and physical well-being? Is Jesus king over your physical body? To acknowledge a kingship is to submit yourselves under his rule and his will. One living under the rule of a king is only a steward, a caretaker of the things, the possessions, and the land that the king allows him to hold. His life is not his own. Should the king require it, the one serving the king would march into battle and give his life for the kingdom. The servant's purpose becomes to stand firm in his commitment to be faithful to the king's wish for him and for his family. The faithful servant's heart is fully devoted to the king and to his fellow servants, knowing that the strength of the kingdom is only as strong as the loyalty of those serving the king. The feast of Christ the king has a eschatological dimension pointing to the end of time when the kingdom of Jesus will be established in all its fullness to the ends of the earth. It leads into Advent because it's the Sunday prior to Advent, the last Sunday of the liturgical year. And the season of Advent is when the church anticipates Christ's second coming. So while this day points forward to that time when the kingdom of Christ will exist in its fullness, will be established in its fullness to the ends of the earth. We live now in the kingdom of God that is now and is yet to be. The earliest Christians identified Jesus with the Messiah of the Jews prophesied in Scripture. The Jewish word Messiah and the Greek word Christ both mean anointed one and came to refer to the expected king who would deliver Israel from the hands of the Romans. Christians believe that Jesus is this expected Messiah. However, unlike the Messiah most Jews expected, Jesus came to free all people, Jew and Gentile. He did not come to free them from the Romans, but from sin and death. Thus the king of the Jews and the king of the cosmos does not rule over an earthly kingdom. Christians have long celebrated Jesus as Christ and his reign as king is celebrated in some degree during Advent when Christians wait for the second coming and glory. It's recognized in some degree in Christmas when born this day is the king of the Jews and in Holy Week when Christ, the crucified King, is worshipped in Easter and then in the Ascension when Jesus is resurrected and then returns to glory. 
But in the year 1925, Pope Pius the 11th uh, made Christ the King a, a, a feast day in the annual liturgy. Today, many Western Christians, both Catholic and Protestant, celebrate Christ the King Sunday, including Anglicans and Lutherans. In some Protestant churches, the king language is not popular and the feast is downplayed. However, in a chaotic and unjust world that seems to scorn any kind of authority, many Christians proudly celebrate Christ the King Sunday, where the loving and merciful and just king of the universe is praised and glorified. Back in the early 1920s, Pope Pius XI connected the increasing denial of Christ as king to the rise of secularism throughout much of Europe. At that time, many Christians began to doubt Christ's authority and existence, as well as the church's power to continue as Christ's authority on the earth. Pius XI and the rest of the Christian world witnessed the rise of non-Christian or nominally Christian dictatorships throughout Europe and saw Catholics being persuaded by these and other Christians being persuaded by these earthly leaders. These dictators often attempted to assert authority over the church. Just as the feast of Corpus Christi was instituted when devotion to the Eucharist was at a low point, the feast of Christ the King was instituted during a time when respect for Christ and the church was falling away and when the feast was needed most. Pius hoped that the institution of the feast would have various effects. They were that nations would see that the church has the right to freedom and immunity from the rule of the state, that leaders and nations would see that they are bound to give respect to Christ, and that faithful believers would gain strength and courage from the celebration of the feast as we were reminded that Christ must reign in our hearts, minds, wills, and bodies. Today, the same distrust of authority exists, although the problem has gotten much worse. Individualism has been embraced to such an extreme that for many, the only authority is the individual self. The idea of Christ as ruler, that he has authority over you and me, is rejected in such a strongly individualistic system. Uh, many balk at the idea of kings and queens, believing them to be antiquated and oppressive. Some even reject the titles of Lord and King for Christ because they believe that such titles are borrowed from oppressive systems of government. However true these statements might be in some instances in history that kings have been oppressive, these individuals miss the point. Christ's kingship is one of humility and service. Jesus said, you know those you know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to become great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. And then John, Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. John 18, verses 33 and 36 to 37 selected. Thus Jesus knew the oppressive nature of secular kings, and in contrast to them, he connected his role as king to humble service and commanded his followers, followers to be servants as well. In other passages of scripture, his kingdom is tied to his suffering and to his death. While Christ is coming to judge the nations, his teachings spell out a kingdom of justice and judgment balanced with radical love, mercy, peace, and forgiveness. When we celebrate Christ as king, we are not celebrating an oppressive ruler, but one willing to die for every man and woman, and whose loving kindness endures forever. Christ is the king that gives us true freedom, freedom in him. Thus we must never forget that Christ radically redefined and transformed the concept of kingship. Christ the King Sunday used to be celebrated in the last Sunday of October, but has since been changed to be on the last Sunday of ordinary time, which is the Sunday before Advent. It is fitting that the feast celebrating Christ's kingship is observed right before Advent when we liturgically wait for the promised Messiah. I wanted to read this passage from Acts 20 because <clears throat> it's, uh, it sums up Paul's view of his life in ministry he is bidding farewell to the elders at the, of the church at Ephesus you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. If, if the Apostle Paul can sum up his life in the ministry as being that desire to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, I think that would also be uh, a good goal for us to embrace as well that our lives would in some way testify to the gospel 
of God's grace. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul said, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Once again, he's, he's committed to pursuing, faithfully fulfilling the calling of God upon his life. Um, I've recently been uh, looking back over the blog that I started many, many years ago and I wrote this in uh, around 2013 I think the title of it was Freedom I once lived with a sense of never being good enough or never measuring up to the standard I felt God wanted for me then I learned that man can never achieve that standard by his own strength since discovering the freedom that I have because of the price Christ paid on the cross and that by confessing my sins to Christ and to trusted believers, I can live with a true sense of joy and peace. I no longer live under a cloud of guilt for all the good things that I should do, but don't. I have realized that Christ's love for me does not depend upon my performance or upon my works. If my motivation does not stem from my love for him and my desire to please him, then my works are in vain. Those things that I do that are in willful disobedience, I repent of and confess. I am realizing the truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So in summing up today's message, I ask that we remember this. The good news is that God is a benevolent, kind, and loving God. His loving kindness will never cease. Because we know our King through His acts of kindness, we can live a life freely rejoicing in the beauty and warmth of His love and care for us, trusting Him with every care or concern that comes our way. Amen. Let's stand together and confess our common faith in the Nicene Creed.